Hey everybody, welcome to Grounded Truth, a podcast where we gather some of the world's most influential data scientists, machine learning practitioners, and innovation leaders for conversations on the most relevant topics in AI today. I'm your host, John Singleton, co-founder and head of success here at Watchful, the machine teaching platform for data-centric AI. You can try Watchful for free at www.watchful.io. And please, if you like this content and want more of it, like, subscribe, follow us on Apple, YouTube, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts today. Joining me today is my good friend and co-founder, Cheyenne Mahanti. Hello. Welcome, Cheyenne. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's uh, you're. I guess you could say you're somewhat of a regular. Uh, yeah, for- somewhat now. Um, I'm really excited to talk to talk to you today. Um, you just published a blog post about a week ago now. Uh, in addition to a little demo of the concepts that were researched in the blog post, uh, and also posted the repo on GitHub uh, called "A Surprisingly Effective Way to Estimate Token Importance in Large Language Model Prompts." which feels like a mouthful, but maybe uh, I'll give it to you to, to translate that for me. Yeah. Um, so I guess like just the punchline is if you've ever written a prompt uh, to get an LLM to do something and it doesn't quite do what you want it to. Uh, the question is, what do I have to change in my prompt to achieve the outcome that I want? So the first step in that whole thing is what parts of my prompt was the model paying the most attention to? And it turns out that's actually like a fairly interesting and fairly hard question to answer, especially in today's world when we no longer have direct access to the models themselves. Um, So our goal really was just to figure out, is there a way that we can estimate this? And if there is, how good of a job does it do at estimating kind of like token level importances relative to Mm -hmm. kind of the real like ground truth? And how is this different than asking, I know ChatGPT offers, uh, like you can ask it for the attention uh, directly and get the log prob odds directly from the model. How is this different? So so just to be clear, ChatGPT and no existing like sort of um, vendored uh, LLM API will give you actual attention. Uh, You can prompt ChatGPT and be like, you know, for this prompt, tell me how important each token is. But oftentimes mm-hmm. when we tried that, we would get like kind of arbitrary results. Oftentimes the model would just like put the same importance for every single token. It would be like 0.5. It didn't actually do what you wanted it to. Um, that's sort of point one. <clears throat> point two is that you can like estimate log probs and so on, but like that's on the output. So when the output is provided from the model, you give it a prompt, it gives you back a result uh, for certain models. So for instance, for like DaVinci 3 and now like, you know, GPT 3.5 Turbo Instruct, you can get log probs, which basically means that for the generated output, it'll give you, here are the top five other possible tokens that could have gotten gone into this slot. And here were the probabilities that were associated with each one. But that's not telling you how the model got to that result. All it's telling you is what the result was and what the possible results could have been. But more importantly, or actually, you know, just differently importantly, I want to know, I gave you an input. What part of my input were you paying the most attention to? And like, why? Um, so right now, there, there isn't really a direct way to do that. Um, and actually, like even the ground truth way, 
uh, or at least like as close as we can get to ground truth, which is uh, an approach called integrated gradients. Uh, like those approaches are really expensive to run uh, from a computational right. perspective. So it's not practical to be done on models of the size of like GPT-3, GPT-4, um, you know, let alone any other kind of modern language model right now. So maybe if I could summarize it, one, a key component of this is, you know, I keep on using the phrase, uh, turn prompt engineering into less of an art and more of a science. Develop quantitative metrics driven ways to improve the quality of prompts. As someone who's written hundreds, if not thousands of prompts at this point, I can tell you it'd be a lot more useful to have tools that are better than, well, maybe if I'm more polite or if I'm more direct or just provide more examples, do I even know if they're, they're providing any value to my task? Uh, so it's definitely welcome and appreciated. And two, uh, there seems to be a limited number of models that you can even get some facsimile of attention, uh, and in the best case, some log, uh, the log odds. But in cases where you do not own the model inference itself and the infrastructure it's running on, uh, there's basically no way to get that any sort of quantitative insight into what you're, uh, what the model's paying attention to in the prompt. And so uh, what this is is an attempt to provide a way that is hopefully model agnostic uh, and inexpensive and efficient to run to be able to provide that quantitative direction on you know improving prompt quality. Is that, a, yeah. is that like a fair, <clears throat> fair summation? Yeah, generally speaking, yes. Um, to, to put a fine point on it, it's like right now, um, there's a lot of just sort of uh, noise around prompt engineering as a concept. Uh, lots of folks are uh, talking about prompt engineering being snake oil. Uh, in fact, there was like a Hacker News post about it like literally yesterday um, where it talked about how prompt engineering is just like a bunch of people who are scamming other people by, you know, creating English uh, or, or like language-based, um, you know, giant prepended prompts and, and postpended and so on like, or appended. Uh, it's... It's I mean, a space I, I've seen prompt marketplaces for prompt yeah, it's, engineering. It's, I mean, it's, 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 an, it's wild. So kind of what we're trying to do is get this back to something that we can reliably call a foundation. We're in this realm where everyone is trying to sprint forward as quickly as possible. And I think that's right. Um, and I'm certainly not going to call prompt engineering snake oil. I, I think there are elements of it that are right but it's not built on a real foundation. So for instance, like there are techniques that people have stumbled upon, like few shot learning or really like few shot prompting uh, that seem to work, you know? And it, like that is transferable across models. It, it does appear to be a technique that seems to work, but it's not a panacea. It's not a silver bullet. It's not like it will work all the time. And, you know, no matter what your few shot cases are, it will always work. It's, it's just a tool in the toolbox. And then you have to rely really heavily on human intuition to figure out like, when do you change it? When do you not? That just means that there's something there, that there is a repeatable pattern. And that pattern does trend in the direction that you'd expect it to, which means that there's something that is learnable there. And there's something that has to be measurable. So what we're trying to do is start by measuring it. Can we measure it? That's really the, the first question. The second question is to your point, can we measure something that is generically useful? Meaning, can we measure something that 
uh, will work irrespective of which vendor you decide to use, or if you're trying to use like an open source model, like a Llama 2 or something, will these techniques apply to that, that type of architecture as well? Um, so to save you from, you know, kind of like the positing here, uh, the answer is, it appears to be yes. Uh, we have found that um, there is a transferable approach that will work. And, and interestingly, we found it to be uh, kind of architecturally and like vendor agnostic uh, in, in pretty like surprising ways. So tell me a little bit about your approach here. Yeah. Um, so it's actually like, again, surprisingly simple. Um, so the approach is basically given a prompt. I wanted to measure what changes I would have to make to the prompt such that it radically changes the model's interpretation of it. Um, but I wanted to do this in a way that was as cheap as possible, both from a compute perspective as well as from like a capital perspective and from a time perspective. Um, so embeddings uh, are, are kind of like a nice thing that a lot of vendors offer as like an API. Uh, obviously, there's a ton of embedding models out there and, and most... Uh, pre-existing open source models will also allow you to sort of uh, interact with their embedding spaces. So um, the approach was given a prompt, perturb it in various ways. And the most obvious and simplest perturbation is ablation, uh, what's mm -hmm. classically called an ablation study, which is literally just like given a prompt, drop each token and see how that changes interpretation of the prompt. Now, Interpretation of the prompt is an important thing here because you could do this and just prompt the model directly and be like, give me an output and then measure the, 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 the difference between that. But if you have a giant prompt, that would be very, very expensive and it would take a really long time to do. So what we wanted to figure out is like, can we do this purely against the embedding space and get something that is reliable? And so what we did was for each perturbation, we re-embedded that whole prompt minus that token. And we looked at the embedding that came back and we compared. And it turns out that the greatest changes in the resulting embedding came from dropping what are presumably very important tokens. And the way we validated this approach was we compared it to the closest thing we could get to ground truth, which was let's run this uh, through like an integrated gradients approach. So we would take the prompt, uh, run it so against the model. What is what is integrated gradients for? Oh, um, good question. Sorry. Um, so integrated gradients is just an approach to figure out what features are most important for any neural networks decision, whether we're talking about transformers or not. Um, essentially, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk like high level about it, but, but you basically like initialize a baseline. So think like pure neutrality. So there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. And then you have these various features. And, and the features that I wanted to uh, sort of estimate importance for at this point were tokens. So you pick a neutral starting point, so just a pure baseline. And then you gradually transition from that baseline to the actual input. So you almost have like a bunch of dials across this baseline. 
that you're slowly turning up or turning down depending on what your actual prompt is. And then for each sort of step along this path, we calculate how sensitive the model's output is to small changes in each of those features. And then we take an average of those sensitivities along that path. And then you can then multiply this average by the difference between the actual input and the baseline for each feature. So that gives you a measure of like roughly how important each feature is to the model's decision. How much did it impact the model's interpretation of whatever your input was? So basically you have to like backprop uh, on yep. these models. So we did this on GPT-2 because that was like reasonable to be done uh, and like reasonably fast. And we found that like when using GPT-2 um, embeddings against GPT-2 integrated, uh, integrated gradients, uh, we got a, a fairly high degree of correlation. But what was most surprising to us was that when we did the same approach, but instead of GPT-2 embeddings, we did GPT-3 embeddings. So like we used, I think, ADA-002 embeddings uh, from, from OpenAI. Mm -hmm. We got better results. And, and that was surprising to me because I assumed that the correlation was at the level of model architecture. So if you use the same embedding space for the same model and you compare the integrated gradients approach to whatever we got from the embedding space, I assume that those would be as closely correlated as they possibly can get because you're, you're taking it essentially from the same space. You're learning from the same architecture. Right. But as it turns out, um, the quality of the embedding space is actually a greater predictor of model interpretation than anything else. So what that means is that in theory, you could take any super high quality embedding, like tomorrow OpenAI might come out with like a better embedding or, or Cohere might or Anthropic might, and you pick whatever the best embedding space is for the language or the task that you're using. And you compare that using this approach, this ablation study approach to what you know, any other transformer-based like language model is doing, and it should be an even better predictor of what that model is attempting. Um, so that was like a surprising indicator to us. So that 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 essentially means that I could take like, you know, ADA two and use that to predict what Cohere's model is doing for my prompt. So if we have an ability to compare, basically all we need is better embeddings, right? Better embeddings will enable us to give finer and finer detail into what our prompts like are doing or can do, and then potentially compare those against the uh, performance of not only an, one model's architecture that may be similar to another, but another like even vendor's model completely outside, uh, you know, had nothing to do with the original model that's being developed. Yeah, that that's that's at least half true. Um, one of the things that we also discovered in this is that sometimes this approach doesn't predict very well. Uh, and it was really interesting to dig into why that is. Um, our hypothesis was that as the prompts become more ambiguous, the importance, uh, like the integrated gradients approach would show us something different to what we would get from a pure embedding approach. Um, and, and we actually it, saw that in the experiment. And you say ambiguous, so you mean like, uh, you're a coding insistent. Uh, I I'm going to throw questions to you. You're going to help me, you know, develop a solution. Uh, yeah. Would that be yeah. ambiguous? Like, 
maybe on the extreme end of ambiguity, what would something that would be uh, extremely non-ambiguous be? Yeah, it's like um, in this article, tag every mention of Starbucks. You know, like it, it's it's very like it's the difference between something that's like a very direct, uh, you know, a very direct command almost that <clears throat> has all the context necessary to approach it within the body of the prompt versus uh, something that's like very open-ended, like a brainstorming prompt. Like, I want you to help me brainstorm X, Y, or Z. Or uh, you are now a machine learning expert. Tell me what type of machine learning algorithm I should use if I have no labeled data. Um, it, basically, the intuition is that if a prompt can have many possible answers, and all of those might potentially be within the realm of correctness, but all very different from one another, versus there being a single answer, then that is kind of what determines ambiguity. Uh, right. and, and that actually appears to be, it, it's not that like the embedding estimation becomes bad or useless. It just becomes, it, it, it doesn't correlate quite as well as uh, as it would if, if there were very little ambiguity. Um, so we, we, we think that there's several other metrics that need to be defined in order for us to actually understand how the model will react to a particular input. Part of it is what parts of my prompt are most important, yes. Another part of it is how ambiguous is my prompt, like how sort of spread will my answers be? And then you as a user will have to figure out like, you know, do I want this level of ambiguity? Do, like perhaps it, it's good because I'm trying to create a prompt that uh, gives me a creative answer. In which right. case, like you actually do want the ambiguity. But in other cases, when you're like creating a prompt that needs to be really narrow and you're passing data through it constantly, you actually want as little ambiguity as possible so that you have reliable results on the other end. So, right. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, is it safe to say that this approach will probably have more impact? And I think, which is a positive thing on discriminative tasks versus those that are, you know, purely generative in nature, like the creative tasks you mentioned. No, I, I think I think that there is like, um, here, here's another example. It's like, um, write a blog post about the impact of um, human labor in the process of labeling for machine learning. Uh, focus specifically on uh, human rights violations or labor laws or something like that. Like, that is kind of open-ended in the sense that there are a lot of different shapes of blog posts that would fit that criteria. Yeah, but virtually you, an infinite amount. Yeah, but you know that the guts of that content will be rooted in something that is kind of roughly in the same space. So yeah. that type of prompt would actually measure or should actually measure fairly low on the ambiguity scale, despite the fact that it is fundamentally a creative problem. So... It's those types of things that are like kind of in the middle where even though it's not a discriminative task, it's it's a purely generative task, you're still looking for something that is like of a shape that you'd recognize. Another yeah. example is like write me an email based on these four bullet points. You know, like there's a lot of different shapes of that email that would be acceptable, but you know that the core of that email should be centered around those four bullet points. So there are lots of cases where you'd want to understand not just you know, how important were these tokens in my prompt to, to produce a particular output, but you'd also want to know like, okay, is my prompt 
reasonably good or will it have outputs that are predictable uh, that I think will be acceptable? And from an, at least an anecdotal standpoint, I would say that definitely checks out from my experience of writing prompts. Uh, every time that you have this logical leap of, oh, it should know this, you know, it was trained on this. Why did, you know, it'll pick up some nuance or context that's required for, you know, adequate completion of my task. Uh, you always get better and better results by figuring out more ways to be more direct uh, and, you know, to the point, less ambiguous. So uh, it definitely, you know, anecdotal evidence is the best evidence for what that's worth. Yeah, totally. So we found that uh, we have an inexpensive, efficient way to at least directionally, it seems to work pretty well uh, versus ground truth to estimate token importance. Uh, what's next? Yeah. Um, so the intuition here is that, again, we want to like um, remove a lot of the murkiness around prompt engineering specifically. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why that's important, but kind of like the biggest thing is that uh, more and more people are starting to rely on LLMs and prompts in general and being able to interpret what goes into these models to produce an output uh, and also being able to measure the output itself is, is super important. Um, so the way we're thinking about it is as a user of these large language models, what would I need to know in order to improve my prompt. Let's say I write a prompt, I get an output that's not right. What do I do at that point? Ideally, there is an action. And ideally, that action is not, let's just try something different. In a perfect world, there's a very clear answer to what I should be doing next. Now, there, there's not always going to be that, but that's, that's kind of like the goal. That's what we're striving for. So in a world where we magically have all the metrics that you might need, to evaluate this as a human and figure out what the next step is. Once you have that and that process is mostly on Rails, then it follows that there should be essentially a program that you could write that would just do this for you. Given you know a prompt, a starting prompt, and let's say a target of what you're trying to get the model to do, there should just be like a magic button that you can click that will automatically like refit the prompt to the task that you're trying to do and minimize for ambiguity, maximize for token density, you know, get rid of all the excess so that you don't have to spend money on tokens that, you know, aren't affecting your output and so on. All that should just happen magically. Now, this, this first thing that we released, you know, the, the simple way of, uh, kind of estimating token importance is really, and, and I guess like I should say, I, I don't think we, we mentioned, uh, the demo outside of the top. So this is something that, uh, oh, is yeah. released that you can play with. Yeah, yeah. Please, uh, for anyone listening to this, please play with it. Um, the The URL is uh, heatmap.demos.watchful.io. Um, and that will, of course, be included in the description. In the of course. Uh, yeah, that it, down. you don't have to <laughs> jot that down right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's live. You can play with it. Um, it. It's all open source as well. So if you want to look at the approach, again, like there's a lot more to be done here. I think... Uh, you know, right now we're using a really simple um, like distance function. The reality is that like there's a lot to be uh, to be had by improving the distance function, um, and we have lots of thoughts about how to do that. Um, it, there, there's a lot of depth that you can get out of this. What we found is that there is a correlation between the embedding space and what the model is actually doing, and so uh, by being able to extract more information about the, 
you know, sort of about those changes from the embedding space, we'll be able to predict better for the model. Right now, we just kind of like scratch tip the iceberg and there's a lot more to be done there. But moving from that, what we'd like to do is continue finding these metrics that theoretically I as a human, as a human user of large language models would use to figure out what I should be doing to my prompt to make the output better. And how do I measure that? How do I know that I got a better output? How do I know that I will always get a better output or at least usually get a, get a better output? Can I measure how often I get a better output versus other times? Um, these are like questions that we're aiming to answer. So the very next thing that we're likely to do is um, release some of our research on ambiguity estimation on prompting and outputs. Uh, and then we'll just kind of keep chugging from there. Awesome. Again, I would uh, encourage everybody to check out the demo. Uh, we'll include the links as well as to the repo and the blog post uh, wherever you found this podcast. Uh, really excited to continue to see the continued research. Um, I know the team's really excited here at Watchful. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we need better tools is the clear takeaway. We need more quantitative approaches to be able to guide users to be more effective outside of, I mean, really, I, I feel sometimes with our customers, I'm, I'm talking black magic. I'm firmly in the realm of black magic. Maybe have you tried to be more polite? Can we take out this word? Have you tried a more direct verb, uh, you know, provide more examples? It just, it feels there's no one right answer and at least even getting some directionally correct feedback on where I can improve and how I can improve. And uh, I think in the dream world of, you know, if uh, the culmination of this research could be something that is truly programmatic in nature, um, would be something revolutionary for all of us working in and around large language models today, uh, dealing with prompts and kind of the ever-growing surface area of the world that's dealing with this whole new type of API, this type of interaction. Um, excited to see where it goes. Shine, really Absolutely. appreciate it, man. Of course. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I have to. You're technically my boss, so uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I'm. I blink twice if everything's okay. You know, uh, watch out. But uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, this has been a great episode. I encourage everybody to check out again the demo, the repo, and the blog post. If you have any thoughts, uh, you know, find it interesting or just want to chat about it, please reach out uh, and stay tuned for more. Um, we're going to be releasing some more stuff. Uh, don't want to talk too much about it, but Shine alluded to some of the core you know, questions that we're exploring and uh, really, really, really excited about uh, kind of the direction that's going and what, you know, what could bear fruit. So uh, thanks, everybody. Again, this has been Grounded Truth. Uh, you can find us wherever you find your podcast today, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, etc. Uh, no longer Google. As of yesterday, I learned uh, Google Podcasts is no more. So if you were a Google Podcast listener, you're not listening to this now. Uh, thanks so much again, John Singleton, co-founder and head of success here at Watchful, joined by Cheyenne Mahanti. Everybody enjoy your day.